Well, let's take our Bibles this evening, please, and turn to the Gospel of Mark in chapter number 15, please. Mark in chapter number 15. Thank you, Pastor, for inviting me to be a part of your special celebration, 84. I'm thinking 84th anniversary. I know why he invited me now, because I'm an old guy and I fit right in. No, (laughs) it's not true. I'm honored, and this has been a special treat for me. As your pastor said this morning, I discovered over the last couple of weeks that there's a relatively close family tie between uh, Dr. Strachan and my dad, Dr. Strachan's dad, I should say, and my dad, Joe Strachan. And uh, that excites me, of course. I was not aware of that. And uh, so that's something for me to cherish and treasure. And uh, the longer, it's interesting, young people, listen to this statement. The longer I live, the smarter my dad gets. Uh, I, uh, he, he was a genius. He was ahead of his time. I, uh, he's my hero, and I don't mind saying so. I realize he was, uh, he's human and uh, so on. But my dad pastored, or preached, I should say, until he was uh, in his 85th year. And uh, preached two, years before, or two weeks before he passed away. And to preach with fervor. An interesting thing happened. If I could just take a minute to tell you the story. Uh, my oldest son at the time was living in New York City. He and his wife. And uh, it was when 9-11 happened. And my son is a Canadian and uh, his wife's a Canadian. She was expecting a baby. And when 9-11 happened, they were a bit nervous about her being there. And he, he flies every week of the world and usually flies back into Canada. And so uh, there were some concerns there. So... Uh, he went to his uh, superiors and he said, I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to go back to my own country until my wife has the baby. And uh, the things settled down here. This was oh, the week after 9-11. And so his company was very kind to him. They said, go to the nearest Canadian border and um, just find yourself a place to live. We'll cover all the expenses and so on. And um, so he did that. And the, the place he chose to go to was where my father lived. So the first Sunday... He was there. He went to where my dad was preaching. He was a guest preacher at a church. So he and his wife and my oldest grandson went to the service, and my son videotaped the service, videotaped the whole service from beginning to end. Little did I know that that was the last time my dad would ever preach. And I think that's, that's a blessing. God is good. I mean, that's special to me. Over the years, I've watched that, and my dad did pass away in uh, 01, and... and uh, I've watched that and watched it and watched it. It's been a great encouragement to me. And I thought, God, you're so good to me. And my dad preached with, uh, with uh, power and anticipation. He had the arm the size of a broom handle and a huge, big, I think a Thompson chain reference Bible. He's waving it back and forth and shouting out and preaching. I thought, God, you're good to me. That's a tremendous blessing to me. Thank you, Pastor, for inviting me to be here. Thank you, people of Bethel Baptist Church. Thank you for loving your pastor. It's evident. Thank you for being faithful and staying by the stuff. Some of you have been here a long time, and when you're anywhere a long time, there are going to be challenges, there are going to be tests of your faith, there's going to be trials, there's going to be betrayals. It's going to happen. It's part of life. But thank you for your faithfulness, for your loving your pastor, and thank you for loving the Lord. Thank you, uh, judges, for... uh, providing accommodation for me and the hospitality. I enjoy 
I enjoy the, uh, the sound function you have here. It's next to perfect hearing. I, I don't know, there's some in the room probably, like me, experience some deficiency in hearing as the years go by. I especially can't hear my wife. But I mean, that's <laughs> why so she uses sign language. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate the hearing. Uh, I hear well. I hear everything well. I heard the testimonies well. I hear the singing well, the specials well, and, and uh, so on and so forth. It reminds me of the time, uh, the story I heard of, uh, I think my dad told the story, but the uh, fellow said, well, uh, you pray for my hearing. So my dad said, I'll pray for your hearing. And uh, he met him later that week, and he said, how's your hearing? And he said, oh, it doesn't happen until next Thursday. So <laughs> you'll get that after a while. That's not the problem I have with hearing. But uh, thank you for, uh, <laughs> for your faithfulness and your commitment to the Lord here. I've enjoyed time with your preacher and his family. I, I confess I did go to a hockey game last night after the service. And uh, we were there watching uh, the uh, Canadian pastime. And I enjoyed that. And your, your pastor and his wife and family are... Uh, I enjoy them. Uh, they're, they're crazy. And uh, it's okay to laugh. <laughs> they, they enjoy each other. They joke with each other. They have fun with each other. And uh, you, you've, got, you've got to learn to laugh in this lifetime. Life is hard. Whoever said that life was fair? But I'll tell you what, learn to, learn to laugh with others and laugh at yourself. And uh, I have the same kind of family. I think that's why I enjoy it. My family, are, I have three sons. And uh, so far, two daughters-in-law, seven grandchildren, and uh, my wife and I, we, we enjoy, we love getting together and love having fun with each other. We tease each other. We uh, harass each other. We, uh, yeah, we just, we just enjoy it. One of my sons, every once in a while, when, when they know I'm traveling for a bit of time, they put something in my suitcase or put something in my Bible that I'll take with me. And one of my sons... Uh, put this in. I'll read just the two or three of you of these for you tonight. These are occupational hymns. You may have heard this, but if you'll be polite and laugh, I'll, I'll enjoy that. The occupational hymns. I love the hymns. I mentioned that this morning. But these are occupational hymns that speak of occupations. For example, the astronaut likes to sing, Nearer My God to Thee. The baker likes to sing, I Need Thee Every Hour. The uh, barber likes to sing, A Parting Hymn We Sing. The, the baseball batter likes to sing, Seek Thee First. <laughs> uh, let's see, the, uh, the builder likes to sing, How Firm a Foundation. The carpenter likes to sing, The Nail-Scarred Hand. The uh, civil engineer likes to sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. The fisherman likes to sing, preacher, Shall We Gather at the River. The golfer likes to sing, There is a green hill far away. <laughs> I like that. The long-distance trucker likes to sing, Out on the Highways and Byways of Life. The medical technician likes to sing, Revive Us Again. The mountain climber sings, The Rock That Is Higher Than I. The, new, the, newlyweds, the newlyweds sing, I Need Thee Every Hour. <laughs> the real estate agent likes to sing, I've Got a Mansion Over the Hilltop. <laughs> That's good. The skeptic sings, Almost Persuaded. The... Uh, Shoppers like to sing Sweet By and By. The, uh, the stonecutter likes to sing Rock of Ages. The switchboard operator, they don't even have those anymore, do they? Switchboard operator likes to sing There's a Call Comes Ringing. The tailor likes to sing Holy, Holy, Holy. <laughs> this is silly. 
the voice teacher, voice teacher likes to sing, sing them over again to me. The watchmaker sings, take time to be holy. The watchman sings, silent night. The weatherman sings, there shall be showers of blessing. <laughs> Thank you for your paying attention to that. Let's read some scripture this evening. And again, let me say at the beginning that I've been blessed and honored to be here. And uh, I think since ever since I began preaching, I depend and rely upon the Lord to direct me. Lots of times there are messages I would like to preach. I think this is, this is a good message. This is something folks need to hear. But the truth is, sometimes, many times, preacher, you know it, God has something else in mind. So as I've given the messages that I have given thus far and again tonight, the truth is I may not, I may not agree with God. But that really doesn't matter. It's what he has for me to do in his will. And I hope that, I hope that something that has been given has been helpful. I hope this will be helpful tonight. The truth that I give tonight has been a, a blessing to me for a number of years. And um, I, I, I want nothing more than to, I want nothing more than to please the Lord and to try along life's pathway, help somebody in this life. Let's begin reading please at verse number 24, Mark chapter 15. And the Bible says, and when they had crucified him, by the way, can I stop and say that it says, and when they, my name's in there, your name's in there. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots among them, whatever every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him, and the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, one on the right hand and the other on his left. Can I stop to say that there, that one verse, that one verse in this chapter, in this portion of scripture, pictures everyone that ever has lived or ever, ever will live. Jesus in the center on the cross, to the left a man who was a thief, who was dying, who did not believe, and a man on the other side, a thief, who was dying, who did believe. The line is drawn right there. You either believe or you don't believe. The, the cross, if you will, is, a, is a, um, a, an object lesson for us because the Bible says that before the foundation of the world, God did, designed and decided that Jesus Christ would go to the cross. So to help us to understand, we see that cross. We see the picture of the cross. You picture in your mind's eye whatever, that, whatever those crosses look like, those three crosses. Whenever I do, frankly, I, uh, my heart is touched whenever I hear a song about the cross, whenever I read about the cross, because the cross made the difference for me. When I see that cross, and not my message tonight, but when I see that cross, that cross points to a place where God wants to take me and God has paid the way. When I picture the cross in my mind's eye, whatever you picture that cross to look like, that cross points downward to a place he wants to keep me from. When I picture that cross in my mind's eye, I see one side to the east and one, one arm to the east and one arm to the west, which shows me that God so loved the world. You can go east forever. I'm glad it did not say south and north. You can measure those. East you can't measure. West you can't measure. It's just continual. It goes forever. So the cross, cross means a whole lot to me. So the Bible says here in verse number 28, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, And he was numbered with the transgressors. 
And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. I say, no, no, don't come down, Jesus. Don't come down. That's my salvation. Don't come down. You've got to pay the price for me. Otherwise, I have no salvation. Don't come down. And he didn't. Someone wrote the song. He could have called 10,000 angels. It's actually 12 legs of angels, but he could have called 10,000 angels. To rescue him and take him down, but he did not. He died for you and for me. Likewise, also the thieves, their chief priests rather, mocking and among themselves with the scribes, he saved others himself he cannot save. Let Christ be king of Israel. Descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. They got it wrong because you believe and then you see. Amen. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Me, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, not tonight, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I give you myself as best I know how. I pray that you would use me tonight as you see fit. I pray that you'd help me to choose the words and say the words that are necessary to say. But I pray most of all, Lord, I pray two things. My heart is this, Lord, that I pray that if there be one person who is here who is not absolutely sure that they're going to heaven when they leave this earth, I pray today, Lord, that you would get a hold of their heart and you would draw them to yourself. And like we talked about this morning, as you knock on their heart's door, that they would open up their heart and their life to you and accept Jesus Christ and have a most wonderful life here on earth and to come. Then I pray for the dear Christian here that um, has questions. The dear Christian that has a something in their heart of hearts, something in their mind that is just perplexing or troubling. I pray you'd help us with that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian, yet life is full of questions, especially right now in the day and time in which we live. Probably the most common, when we start to ask a question, the most common today is why? Why is, why, why is, why is our country in the mess it's in? Why is this? Why? You may say, why, why are these things happening in my family? Why is this happening in my workplace? Why, why, dear God, why is this happening? Why to me? Why to my family? Why to my friends? Why to my church? I'll never forget when I discovered this wonderful truth when I read, the, when I read this portion of Scripture and it dawned on me one day, listen very carefully, that Jesus Christ asked God his Father why? I, I, I used to think it was not all right to ask God why. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a preacher. And uh, uh, back in the day, of course, the things were a little bit different than they are now. And it just seemed it would be inappropriate or be in, it'd be in, incorrect or be wrong for me to, to go to my dad and say, God, our dad, rather, uh, why would God allow this to happen? It just seemed that you didn't do that. You didn't ask, uh, you didn't ask God why. We are to fear the Lord. The Bible tells us that. And we are to have a reverential respect for God. 
You don't ever ask God why. But then one day I read Mark 15, verse 34, where I found Jesus who was sinless, Jesus who was perfect, uh, Jesus, uh, the Son of God, uh, Jesus, the only begotten of the Father, asked his Father, he who was perfect and sinless, asked his Father why. That gave me great encouragement, great hope, I'll be honest with you. You see, there was, no, there was no doubt in the mind of Jesus or no, no unbelief there. He's perfect. And yet he asked God, why? Many times as a pastor, I've had people come to me over the years and say, Pastor, um, I just, I'm troubled about something. And I, I, they've said this, preacher, maybe they've said it to you. They say, uh, I know it's not right to ask God why, but... And they did not have an ulterior motive. They did not doubt God's goodness. They did not doubt their salvation. They did not doubt uh, what God was doing in their lives. But the questions come, amen? Sometimes uh, the questions come and you, you, you want to ask God why. They weren't doubting God, not questioning him, just something in their mind. But the truth is, I believe I've learned a, a truth from this portion of Scripture. And there comes a time when, frankly, you should ask God why. There are reasons that we should ask God why. But first of all, let me address a couple of reasons why we should not ask God why. Number one thought is this. You don't ask God why when it's written clear in the Bible. When it's written here, for example, it says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm not going to ask God why. Or when the Bible says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. I'm not going to ask God why. It's in black and white, amen. And I'm going to believe God's word. I'm going to take him at his word. And I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to obey his word. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to ask, frankly, I'm not going to ask a dumb question when it's in the word of God. Now, I, I, I'll ask God to help me understand his word. I'll ask God to direct me through his word. But I'm not going to ask God why when it's written there. God, why should I, why should I be baptized after I get saved? Why should, I, uh, why should I separate myself? The Bible says, come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. I'm not going to ask God why. God told me I should be separate. I should be different. The, the, the Christian should be different than those in the world. I'm not going to ask God why about that. No, there's some things I don't understand, but God help me to understand and help me to do what you have for me to do. That's not a good question when it's written in the word of God. Just do what the Bible says. Now, to be honest, every parent in this room understands that. Have you ever had your child ask you why? I have grandchildren. Jack, is, uh, he's an intellect, but he's only four years of age. And he'll come to me and say, Grandpa, why are you my grandpa? I said, well, because um, your dad is my son. Why is my dad your son? Because he was born into our family with, with Grandma and I. Why was he born into the family with Grandma and I? Well, that's the way God has it. And he'll ask and ask and ask, but guess what? He learns. He can, he can give that speech now to his sister, his twin sister, and he'll say, you know what? Our dad was their son. And he goes through the routine. He's learned something. So you learn something by asking questions, but ask the right question. Secondly, you don't need to ask God why when you question him. There's a difference between asking a question and questioning God. There's a right way and a wrong way to ask a question. God, I don't understand. That's okay. God, I don't understand this. But God, I don't understand this and I, I need to know. I, I want to know why, God. 
You know what I'm saying. In an, in an unkind way, in a, in a wrong way to ask. You see, God, God makes no mistakes. God loves you so much so that he gave Jesus Christ, his son, to die on Calvary for you so you could have the best of life here on earth and have eternal life. And God, God loves you. And last time I checked, Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. And we know that all, all things, did you hear that? All things. You know what all? You know, you know how to interpret all in the Greek? It means all in the English. It's all. It's everything. Now, the truth is, I, again, I don't understand that. But let's not get our job mixed up with God's job. God's job is to make it work together for good. My job is to love him, if I understand that scripture correctly. So I'm not going to debate or argue with God or ask him any silly questions about this matter. God, I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to accept what you have for me. And then, it's interesting, and I've, I've heard this in my lifetime, don't ask God why and demand an answer. God, I want to know why you allowed this to happen to my family. God, I want to know why you allowed me to lose my job. Why did you allow me to, uh, to lose a loved one? God, if you don't tell me why, God, I'm not going back to church. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to even let folks know that I'm a Christian. Well, you lose. Amen? That's the wrong thing to do. That's just the wrong way to go. You see, you are talked to an, an almighty God, one who set the sun in place, one who put the stars in space, one who formed the mountains and one who, who uh, made the rivers and the oceans and all creation that you see, God put together. In the beginning, God, you see, he was here before us, amen? Always has, always will be. I don't understand that, but the Bible says it. I believe it. So I don't ask God why and demand an answer. But there are some times when you should ask God why. Let me give you just a couple of them this evening, two or three. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 17. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 17. And let me say this. When, when it comes to a time of suffering, when it comes to a time of suffering in your life, you need to ask God why. Now in a kind and loving way, in a respectful way, but you need to ask God why. I'll tell you why in a moment. But when there comes a time of suffering, you need to ask God why. Not because you don't trust him. Not because you don't believe that he's not fair. Not because you don't want the suffering. Who wants suffering? I've never met a person that says, bring it on, God. Make me suffer. No. The truth is, though, when you pray, when you make that prayer and you say, dear God, increase my faith. What you're saying is, God, make the test bigger. And there may be some suffering involved. But I don't want suffering. You ask because you want to know something here. Look at uh, 1 Peter 3 and uh, verse number 17, please. 1 Peter 3, 17. And the Bible says, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Now, would you agree with me this evening that we are going to face some suffering in life? There's no question. We are going to suffer. There's going to be suffering that comes our way. Who said life was fair? We have a sinful nature. Suffering will come. But if I'm going to suffer, I want to suffer because of the cause of Christ, not for something dumb that I've done myself. I want to, I want to make certain, as the verse says here, let me look at the verse again. Verse number 74, it is better if the will of, of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. In other words, if I can put it to you this way, perhaps this is easy to understand. When I suffer, and I've suffered, and so have you. When I suffer, 
I want to ask God why I'm suffering because I want to listen very carefully to this. I want to know, am I a Job or am I a Jonah? Amen? I want to know, am I suffering because I'm going down the wrong road and I'm going like Jonah, the Bible says, he paid his way to suffering. He paid his way to aggravation. He paid his way down, the Bible says, and a lot of people around him suffered at the same time until they threw him overboard. But you see, he, uh, he was going in the wrong direction and he determined he was going to go in the wrong direction. He was trying to run away from God. You can't run away from God. God who is all seeing and God who is all knowing, you can't run away from him. But the truth is, I want to know, Lord, Lord, I, I want to know why I'm suffering. Is it because I'm in, in my heart, I'm a Jonah and I'm running away from you and I'm running away from your will and I'm running away from for what you have for me. I'm disobeying your word. Lord, I want to know because I don't want to, I don't want to suffer unnecessarily. I don't want to suffer for evil. But then we got on the other side, we got Job. You see, there was a contest going on. A contest between God and Satan. And Job was in the middle of that contest. And thanks be to God, God gave Job, or God gave Job the strength to persevere and he did. But the truth is, I want to know, you see, if you don't get it figured out, are you a Jonah or are you a Job, the suffering goes on. If you get it figured out and you say, dear God, I understand that, yes, the suffering comes to my life. But dear God, I want to do your will. I've met folks and I don't criticize them. I may have been there myself, but, you know, some folks that, that are running away from God, running away from God's will, running away from God's word. Just, I mean, they're not in the will of God. And they, they're suffering and, uh, you know, the pastor comes along and I say, I, I want to pray with you and I want to talk with you and counsel with you and I want to support you and so on. And, and uh, uh, you know, I've had folks say to me, well, you know, when I'm tried, I'll come forth as gold, but yet they're refusing to turn around and follow after God. I smell whale blubber. There's a bit of a Jonah there. But I, I, I don't want that. I want to know. I want God to, to search me. Like the psalmist said, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Dear God, I, I, uh, I don't want to suffer unnecessarily. Now, I know that we'll all suffer. But the truth is, I want to know if there's something I'm doing that's causing me to, uh, uh, to, to suffer, if I can rectify that, dear God, if you can search my heart. And by the way, ask God to search your heart. God will search your heart. Ask him to show you. He will show you what you need to deal with. And then we get it over with. Look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 again and look at verse number 10. Look at a couple things here. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 10. Notice what this says. Look, look what it says here. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, look at this, after ye have suffered a while, that includes all of us, make you perfect. What does that mean? After you've suffered a while, okay, suffering will come. I don't want to be suffering because I'm going against God's will. I want God to chasten me. The Bible says he chastens those whom he loves. I want him to correct me. I want to learn the lesson. But I want to go on for God. But suffering will come. I understand that. 
But it says when that suffering comes, after you've suffered a while, there are several things that take place. Number one, it matures you. It says here, it'll, it'll make you perfect. It matures you. It completes you. It fulfills you. After I've gone through some things, that's why I know after, of course, after living in a preacher's home and uh, pastoring for many years myself and now uh, retired and so on, I can, uh, you know, there are things or challenges that come to me, but I can perhaps deal with them a little bit better because, you know what? I've been through it before. We've been through it before. Many of us in this room could say that. We've been through this and we survived. We've been through this, uh, uh, this uh, reversal in our health. We've been through a reversal in our finances. We've been through a reversal in our relationships. And so we've been through it and God has helped and God has sustained and God, you're good. And I've learned some things. Now those, those seemed at the time, I suffered through those. And you may be sitting here this evening and you're suffering through them right now. But the truth is God will see you through one way or the other. The Bible says for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. All I want to do is live in his will. So it says here that uh, it will mature me. It says something else. Look at the verse again. It says it will establish me. Establish means it'll get uh, some things clear in my mind. It'll get some things clear in my mind. Establish, the old English word establish. Establish, it'll establish me. When I suffer, it'll establish me. And it'll help me understand, it'll help me understand what God's responsibility is and what my responsibility is. Because sometimes we get them mixed up. Sometimes we want God to do things that we think he should do. And uh, we want to play his role, but we can't do that. But it'll establish me, God, you're sovereign. God, you know best. God's way is the best way. God's way is the right way. I'll trust him always. He knows what's best. God, my ways are not your ways. But I know that you know best. And regardless of what comes into my life, regardless of the suffering I go through, regardless of what I face in my life, dear God, I know you're there. He holds my hand. He leads me on. He, the Bible says he will never leave me, never forsake me. You know what the Bible says? The saints of God are in his hands. Hallelujah. Huh. So it says he will, he will perfect me. I'll be mature through those issues, troubles. And then it says something else here. Look at the verse again. It says a strengthen. You know, burdens, frankly, to be honest, burdens are, burdens are heavy things. When suffering comes, it's a heavy thing. And who in this room would say, dear God, let me suffer a while? None of us would say that. But suffering comes. You know what happens? I'm not... I'm not a, 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 a nut as the, at, the, at the physical thing. I have a couple of sons that are. They lift weights and they work out and they jog and they do all that kind of stuff. And I ride a bicycle. But uh, <laughs> they, uh, they do all that. But guess what? When they're lifting those heavy weights, when they're lifting those heavy weights every morning on a regular basis, lifting the heavy weights, you know what that does? It builds up the muscles. It strengthens them. And when you lift those burdens, when you take those burdens, and you, the Bible says that we uh, yoke up with Jesus Christ and he will help us when we carry those burdens. When we lift those burdens of uh, suffering, it strengthens us. Not only, it's okay to be strong, that's a good thing. But the truth is when it strengthens you, do you know what that does? Somebody else is watching. Somebody else is seeing that you're going through something and you're being strengthened by it, and that's a testimony to others, and it's a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we all God's children have troubles. Then it says, look at the last part of the last word in the verse, it said it'll settle you. You know what that means? It'll calm you down. I mean, I remember the first time, uh, our first son, when he was born, uh, about six months along, he ran into some serious health issues and rushed to the hospital, and 
And uh, I was at work and my wife called me and she said, uh, Rob's in the hospital and things aren't looking good and he's lost weight and he's passed out and so on and so forth. And I walk in there and I, uh, I, I look and I, think, I see this little baby in this thing and he's got lines and needles in his arms and he's got all this machine around him. And I panic. I said, this is my firstborn. This is my son. And the doctor comes in and he says, how are you doing? I said, well, I, I don't know how I'm doing because I don't know what the problem is with my son. He said, it'll be okay. He said, he's, he's gaining ground. He's turned around. Some kind of infection but the truth is, as I, I go home, guess what? You know what? I prayed more that night, perhaps, for my son than I had in previous days and months because it taught me a lesson. I need to depend on him. I need, I, need that, uh, I need that settling down. When everything is around you, it's interesting. You see folks, and there are folks, I'm sure, that sit in these pews right now, that uh, uh, folks look at you and they say, I don't know how they deal with this. This has come into their life and it's, it's broadside of them. I don't know how they deal with it. I'll tell you how they deal with it. Just this way. They're trusting God. God settled them down in it. So when those difficulties come, you see, it gives you, when you go through these trials, it gives you unparalleled strength as you work your way through them. Thus, it's a good idea. It's a good idea to say to God, God, am I going through this because I'm a Jonah or am I Job? Now, you choose what you want to ask God, but I want to know I'm not running away from God, not running away from anything. Yes, God used Job mightily. And if I suffer, I want to suffer for a good cause. And also, may I say right along with that, that it's not a bad idea that you may ask God why suffering comes to someone close to you. When someone close to you, a family member, a friend, someone in the church, not a bad idea to ask God why. I'll tell you why. We read uh, in the Bible, it says, Have ye not heard of the patience of Job? Three to four thousand years ago, we're still talking about Job and his patience. We've learned something from Job. You'll learn something when someone else is going through a trial or a difficulty or suffering as well. Do we get the message? You see, watching someone else suffer is tough, especially if it's children. But I don't want to miss if, something, if God's got something for me. So, if suffering, uh, suffering comes into your life, and it will, not, not a, a bad idea to ask God why. Lord, I open my heart before you. Lord, what is it? See if there be. Search me, O God. Know my heart. I do realize, Lord, that your word says that the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And Lord, I don't want anything hidden in my heart that offends you, that interferes with my Christian life. Now, I realize I'm human. I realize I'm a sinful individual. I have a sinful nature. But dear God, I want as best I can to follow you and to serve you. Dear God, would you show me the way? Do you believe tonight, with, as I believe, that God will help you and show you the way? I do believe he will. I trust in him. Secondly, another thought. When suffering comes, I ask God why. But also when, when I'm just, I don't want to say curious, but when I'm wondering about something. When I'm just wondering, I say, wow, wow, that." that's tough, that's difficult. Why, God, why? Why did, in a kind way, in a loving way, why, God? As I mentioned, children ask questions. 
repeatedly and the same questions over and over again. My, uh, one of my granddaughters, I went out in the yard and she's out there on the swing and she's singing at the top of her voice. She's four years of age. She's singing Amazing Grace. Just at the top of her voice. She doesn't need anybody else around. She just loves to sing. I made the mistake of, of saying, I, I went in the house and I got a couple of cookies that grandma had made. I went out and I said, I enjoy your singing. You're a good singer and that's wonderful. And that's encouragement to me. I gave her the couple of cookies. Now, almost every day, She's walking by the door. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Walking by my front door, singing. Why? She wants some cookies. I, I said to her, I said, I can't do that. Every time you sing Amazing Grace, I can't give you a cookie. Guess what she said? Why, Grandpa? You gave me a cookie when I was sitting on the swing out there. Why can't you give me a cookie? Well, because it just wouldn't be right. Why wouldn't it be right? And here we go again. But when, when something happens that I just don't understand... I don't know why. I have no issues with asking why. David, I read David over 20 times in, uh, in the book of Psalms. He asks God why about some things. Why, God? You see, God, God, you seem, it seems that you're distant from me. And God says, well, I've never moved. I'm not distant from you. You see, when God is working in your life and you totally don't understand why, ask when there's something that comes along. I think it's a good idea. Don't miss the lesson. Is there something, when something happens, and it could be to someone else, when something happens that you say, hmm, they're a Christian, I'm a Christian, and I just don't understand this. Why would that be, God? Can I give you a couple of personal illustrations without uh, being long? I'll be finished here in a minute, a couple of minutes, a few minutes. Um, my, uh, my wife, her first name is Reet, R-E-E-T, my wife's family is from the little Baltic country of Estonia. They escaped, uh, her parents escaped, I should say, during the, uh, during the communism reign and so on. And her, her parents actually walked down to the shore one day and they basically knew that if they didn't leave there, they'd probably be killed. So they walked down to the shore one day and a little bit of a, 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 a Baltic Sea. There was a rowboat sitting there. And... Um, they took the rowboat, pushed off out into the water. L little did they realize that there was a hole in the boat. It was a small hole, so she bailed while he rowed. And they get out into the sea and they realized they weren't going to make it. And so just then, they, they were not Christians. They just were, they were debating whether they'd turn around or not. And they saw a big ocean-going ship coming toward them. Big ocean-going ship, of course, knew uh, the, the situation there and knew that the, the communists' rule and reign and knew that people were trying to escape on a daily basis. So the ship came along, picked them up, and to make a long story short, they uh, got on this ship and the ship took them to Sweden. They got to Sweden and then they got some kind of illness and were, qu were quarantined for a period of time. Then they, uh, they met a bunch of other uh, fellow Estonians there and they were able to pool their resources together. Some of them got work and some of them raised some money and some had a little bit of cash with them. And they bought a, they bought a boat and they sailed to Canada. They arrived in St. John, New Brunswick. When they arrived in St. John, New Brunswick, of course, the, uh, the authorities said, well, you have to stay on the ship. I think, it was for, I think it was for seven days. They were quarantined on that ship. They had to be checked for you know, disease and so on. And, 
It's interesting, we were t- preacher and I were talking about it last night. There was a, a man named Jay Stewart Smith, who I think was also part of the Shannyman, along with uh, Joe Strachan and my dad. He went down and he threw Bibles up on the ship. They couldn't come off the ship, but that was his ministry, threw Bibles on the ship, and my father-in-law got a Bible. Anyway, they'd escaped and they'd finally reached Canada, the land, of, uh, the land of opportunity, the land of freedom and so on. What a wonderful thing. I mean, they were, they were ready to be killed. They were ready to lose their lives. All was lost. All was gone and so on. But they finally got to Canada. And uh, my, um, the, the, they were in Canada for a period of time. And, uh, of course, they had to learn the language and, and uh, all that kind of thing. But my father-in-law and a couple of his Estonian friends went out on a hunting trip. And if you can imagine the, 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 the drama they've been through and all the, all the situation with leaving your country and in a rowboat and in a ship and then Sweden and then Canada. He goes out on this hunting trip in Canada. They're in Canada now, so everything's before them. Wonderful. And out on a boat, or I'm sorry, they were out hunting. And he got shot by a friend in a hunting accident and had his leg amputated. Eventually, it took his life. He got saved just before uh, that uh, this happened, but it eventually took his life. And I, of course, then I married his daughter and, and uh, listened to the stories. And she had to be like a, a little nurse to her dad because her dad was, spent a lot of time in bed before he passed away. And, and the mom was out working because she had to support the family, could not speak much English, and had, had three jobs and working almost 24-7 and so on. And I thought, why is this? I just don't understand, God. Here's a family that, that now they love you, they, they, they love you, they serve you, they've given everything to you. When they got saved, they just jumped in lock, stock, and barrel into the church. Just were there all the time, served the Lord in the, in the few uh, months that he had left. Why is that, God? I don't understand, God. But you know, I became a pastor, and my wife, of course, working by my side. And I can't tell you the number of times, and you know in this society, I can't tell you the number of times my wife has sat beside a young lady crying together because she either lost her father or her father abandoned her or she's never known her father or her father has been unkind and abusive to her. I got the answer. It took a few years, but I got the answer. I can't tell you the number of times, for example, right now, uh, all things being equal there in, in church right now, and uh, there's a young lady uh, playing the, uh, the piano. She's uh, the musician in the church now. My wife was for a number of years, but she's a musician now. My wife taught her to play. My wife taught her to play under the, under the stress of her, this young lady having a father who said, I don't want you to learn to play the piano. I can't imagine a father like that, but her father was, had bad health. He was on medication. He, said, he did some things and he said some things that made it very difficult for the family. But you know what? I watched my wife work with that young lady for not days or weeks or months, but for years. There was a lot of, a, a lot of baggage and a lot of drama in that family. Today, now, the man has gone on to heaven. He was a Christian. Dad's gone on to heaven. And by the way, that's another area where my wife's been able to help this young lady because her dad went to heaven early. But today, she's the... Musician at the church. She teaches in Sunday school. 
Her brother is um, a right-hand man to my son. And my wife has worked with both of those. You know why? Because she's been through it. Because she's been through it. I watched my, uh, my older brother. I have an older brother, 10 years my senior, pastored for 45 years, retired. And uh, they, he and his wife talked so much about it. They said, now we're going to retire. We'll be able to travel and be able to do some things. And some things that we haven't been able to do over the years. And we'll just we'll enjoy our time together. And it'll be, it'll be just wonderful. And they actually started to make plans. Six months after his retirement, his wife seemingly was, were having, she was having some issues. Make a long story short, it was discovered that she was in the early stages of dementia. And within another six months, she, was, she could not be taken care of at home and had to be put in a, an institution. And I say, why, Lord? Why is that? Now my brother's ministry, after being retired is helping others who are going through the same thing. Now, none of us want this. None of us ask for it. But the truth is, it does come and God allows you, God allows you to be used to help others along life's pathway. You see, God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. But it's okay to ask God why. It's okay to ask God why. When you're curious about something, Maybe curious is not a good word, but when I say, dear Lord, why is this? Let me give you one more thought here. It's okay to ask God why when the suffering comes, because I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to unnecessarily suffer. God, whatever you have for me, if it's a ministry of suffering, so be it. You are my strength. You make a way. You can use me. So be it. But God, I don't want to suffer for evil. Show me. God, why is this happening to my mother? Why is this happening to my child? Why is this happening to me? Why is it happening to my friend? Okay to ask God why. And then this one may seem a bit strange, but I believe it true. It's okay to ask God why when you're blessed. When something good happens. But when God blesses you, when God blesses you materially, when God blesses you physically, when God blesses you financially, when God blesses you with talents, when God blesses you spiritually, you know what you ought to do? You ought to say, God, why are you giving me this? But not, not in an unkind way, but you say, God, why are you doing this to me? Because I know, now I'm, I'm using my own words here. This is what I would do. I'd say, God, and I've done it. God, why are you giving me this? What is, you know, if, if someone uh, went home tonight and found an envelope in the... Uh, in the mailbox or the mail slot at home and, uh, and uh, you opened it up and there was a letter in there that said you've, uh, uh, there's a, a will here and it's been found that you've been left, uh, you've been left a million dollars. What would you do? Well, you'd tell the pastor, amen? I mean, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd want to come back to the church and, and have them take up an offering, right? No, we'd, we'd tell our family, we'd tell our friends, we'd, we'd probably do a bit, of a, a bit of a dance and a bit of a shout and so on and say, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, God, you're good, but I'm taking this to the bank. But the truth is when God gives you something, when God blesses you with something, be that material, be that financial, uh, when God blesses you, ask him why. God has a reason why he blesses you. 
In the book of Genesis, chapter 12, verse number 3, he said to Abraham, he said, I'll bless you unspeakably. I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, I'll bless you, I'll bless you unspeakably. But Abraham, when I bless you unspeakably, I'm blessing you, check it out for yourself, I'm blessing you so you can be a blessing to others. Yep, that's it right there. Bless somebody else. I mean, sure, (laughs) you use some of the blessing, but God... Is there something you want me to do with this? For example, can I give you an illustration? In uh, um, Ephesians 4, 32, the Bible speaks about forgiveness. It says, forgive one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Do you know why God forgives you? God forgives you so you can pass it on. It's not to be kept. It's to be passed on because has anybody, has anybody in this room ever been offended? Anybody in this room ever been hurt? Anybody in this room ever been betrayed? Anybody in this room ever uh, uh, suffered persecution? Yes, probably most of us has in one degree or another. But the truth is, we're to forgive. Forgive? Why? You say, why should I forgive them? I got a Bible answer for you. Forgive even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You get forgiveness to give to somebody else. So that applies to all of us in this room. Amen. You are forgiven so you can pass, you are, you are given forgiveness so you can pass it on to others. The same thing is true with blessings. Pass it on to others. You see, God makes no mistakes. When you, when you, I know, we live in, uh, those of us who are believers, Christians, uh, you know, we, we live with what God gives us. And when something comes along, we say, wow, this is good. But why not immediately, before we commit to others or before we even commit ourselves, say, God, you've given me this. By the way, God's blessed you in this, in this church with talent. And I've enjoyed the, the, the music ministry and, and all that I've seen here. But there may be some sitting in the pews that you haven't surrendered that yet. God's given some of you the ability to teach, as was talked about a while ago. I teach a Sunday school class. Uh, uh, and, and, and a bus ministry was mentioned a while ago. God has given you, hey, has God given you a bus license? Aha. Uh-huh. God, why have you done this? Why have you given me the ability to, 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 to work with children? Why have you given me this ability, this talent? Why have you given me this experience? Ask God why, because God makes no mistakes, and God wants to use you to help others, and he will use you. Get past yourself, be a contributor, be a giver, Give it to God. You see, when God gives you something, what do you do with it? When God gives, hey, when God gives you victory over something, what do you do about that? You ought to, you ought to shout it from the rooftops, amen? Life is tough. Tomorrow's Monday. Some of us face a, a difficult situation in the workplace. Some of us every day face a situation at home. Face a situation at the school. In the community. But God has given you something to get through and something to help others along life's pathway. I'm not suggesting you demand answers from God, but I think it's a good idea this evening. If when suffering, I ask God why. I want to know, God, am I suffering because I'm, I'm imitating a Jonah or because I'm following after Job? I'm not, I'm not close to Job. I, God has blessed me in my life. I've had very little Uh, suffering as far as compared to Job. But I want to know. God, 
Why did you allow this to happen to my friend? Is there, is there a lesson you have for me? Why, God? Why did you allow this to happen? There's something here for me to learn. And God, you've blessed me unspeakably. God's blessed me with a wonderful family. And I will do anything I can in my ability, in my power, to make it possible for my family to serve God. Anything. God's blessed me with a family that has talents and abilities. And I will do whatever it takes because God has, has put in my hands this wonderful gift. No, it's not wrong to ask God why. There are some of us that face some things that we just don't understand. And we've maybe never come to a point or never considered getting alone with God and just saying, Lord, you have something for me in this. I know your word says that your grace is sufficient. And Lord, if you've allowed this to come into my life just so I will clearly understand your grace is sufficient. Thank you. And I can use this to minister to others as long as I live. Why, God? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus, perfect, sinless, ask God why. Surely you and I can ask God why in some things in our life. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, this evening I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace. I thank you, dear God, for your, your mercy. Lord, who of us in this room would stand and declare, I do not deserve, dear God, what I'm going through. No, we know, Lord, that life is unfair, but we know that you are just. And we know that you are all-knowing and all-powerful and omniscient, omnipresent. Lord, we know that you know what you're doing. But Lord, I pray that you'd give us grace and you'd give us mercy and you'd give us peace. And Lord, give us that, that ability to even for some tonight to maybe simply say, God, could you show me why? God, could you help me to understand why? God, Lord, that we might be able to be matured, strengthened, established, and as a result, Lord, be a, a Christian that's well-founded and well-grounded so that we can grow spiritually, so that we can be an example to others around about us and help those who need our help. But again, most of all, dear God, that we can bring honor and glory to you as it was so wonderfully sung a while ago because you deserve the glory. I pray it help us. I pray two things. I pray, dear God, if there be someone here who was without Jesus Christ, they've never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They've never made arrangements to go to heaven someday. I pray that they would be willing to do that today before it's eternally too late. And then I do pray for every person in this room, Lord, that is seemingly going through some type or some kind of suffering or some kind of challenge. I pray, dear God, that uh, I know that some folks will have already talked to you about it, but I pray for those who perhaps have considered that maybe they shouldn't ask God why, that they would consider saying, Lord, show me what you have for me in this suffering. 
For it's in your name I pray. Amen, preacher.